0: Welcome to Last Lamb Standing with the Lamb Sisters Drew and Meg. Each week, Meg covers a topic that is crazy, spooky, goosebump-inducing, or just plain old WTF. While Drew covers subjects that relate in some tenuous nature, but is completely real, explained, and sometimes downright scientific. So grab your safety blankets and microscopes and join us on our strangely empirical quest. good evening hello
1: season two (laughs) premiere
0: hey everybody if you've stuck around thanks if you're new welcome i'm meg
1: oh i'm drew Uh, in my head i was like and if you left then screw you (laughs) and then i forgot to pay attention to what you were saying
0: (laughs) (laughs) So if you're new here, the premise is I talk about weird, unexplained, paranormal, mysterious things.
1: And then I talk about something that's somewhat related in some weird way, but that is real and explained and factual. And then we discuss. Discuss. Then we just Discuss. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, we are going to start with tidbits, but I want you to go first because mine kind of leads into my story.
1: Okay. My tidbit is agar art. Ooh. Agar is a, is a rock, correct? No? No. Um, or? No. What is it? I'm not sure. Syrup? I'm trying to think of what you're thinking of. <laughs> Agate is what you're thinking oh, of. okay. Yeah. Agar is, um... I mean, it's basically a gelatin-like substance. It's what's in petri dishes. Oh. It's the, like the jelly part yeah, of the yeah. petri dish. And you know, when you people use petri dishes to grow bacteria yeah. and mold, yeah, and they use that and which grow in different colors, and okay. they use that to make art. And there's a <gasps> annual art contest. Oh my god, that sounds amazing! It's really yeah. cute. Some are there's a kids version, um, and then there's professional. And some years are very plain. It seems like this year might be, um, I was looking at some of the ones this year and it's all portrait oriented. So they're not great, but some of the previous ones are really beautiful. So i been the previous winners we'll look at. So this is one Ooh. that's a series of Petri dishes and it looks like, or it is <laughs> uh, water lilies and lily pads on water. And so they just use different types of bacteria. And then they brush it on in different ways to get different effects. Oh, my gosh. And it's so beautiful. Does it tell you which bacteria
2: it that does. they use? Oh, so,
0: cool. Of course,
1: I can't pronounce them because they give us the Latin name. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Rhodococcus rhodochros. <crus. laughs>
1: Rhodococcus rhodocros. Yes. Sure. <laughs> uh, and then there's a snail. And then this one... Is, oh a bird on plants, like a parrot type yeah. tropical bark. That's cool. But then this one's beautiful. It's a um like a flamingo dancer yeah. and her skirt is flowing, but it's pink and blues and browns. Oh my gosh. I would love to see this in like large
0: format.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Ooh, that one's cool. It kind of looks like a brain I or cauliflower. Like,
1: oh, I think it's probably the lung the, tracheal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes tree of lungs anyway that's my tidbit that's really beautiful cool. art made
0: out of bacteria there will be a link in the show notes for sure that's awesome um okay so my tidbit today is the same as my subject i am going to be talking about bigfoot so i read a book so <laughs> <laughs> But I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about the book, but I'm just going to make the book my tidbit. So the, the book is called Voices in the Wilderness, A True Story by Ronald Moorhead. And it's about his decades long experience with, um a, I guess, a family or a group of, of big feet. So um in the, <laughs> it started in, in the 70s. Uh, big feet, big feet, big, 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 big feet, big foots, big foots. Yeah, I don't know. Sasquatchite.
1: (laughs) So um, does that mean a singular of a Yeti is a Yetum? (laughs)
0: Okay. So in 1971, so there was this, these two brothers that had a hunting camp in the Sierra Nevada uh, mountains in 1971, they had their first encounter with a Bigfoot outside of their little shelter. It was just a very native putting logs up against a tree, making a shelter type thing. And that's, that's all it ever was. They never built anything there. Um, It was purely just for going out in the country and hunting. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so they had, they, they had an experience with the Bigfoot coming into the camp and going through all of their stuff and eating their food and they found footprints and they were, you know, making noises outside the camp. Outside the shelter or whatever, like grunts and mm-hmm. vocalizations. And then after that, they kind of brought in Ron Moorhead, the author of the book, to come with them. So then it just starts this like obsession for him. And so he just starts going to the camp a lot, you know, gets horses and they, cause you have to like bring pack horses up there and they stay for like weeks at a time. And so he has just, I mean, numerous, numerous encounters, um, but never seeing one. It's always, (laughs) I know, it's always like hearing, hearing them
1: footprints,
0: Yes. And then them moving things or throwing things or different things like um, there was a couple of instances where they saw something moving in the, you know, in the distance, Mm -hmm. but it was never like a, I'm face to face with it.
1: Why does he think it was a family?
0: Um, because there would, there were multiples of them, and they would talk to each other. Oh, okay. Um, so my tidbit today is because he spent so many years going there, and he would bring all kinds of scientists and and people up there to do all kinds of stuff. He has gathered; he probably has like one of the biggest databases of of recorded vocalizations. Cool. So my tidbit today is a little sample of some Bigfoot talk. <laughs>
2: I don't know if you want to Так, конечно. Да. Да. Вот, конечно, ну. Так. 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 Так.
0: So, can you imagine being, being in the woods? In the woods and there's something outside your tent or
1: that is doing that. <laughs> I don't think I would have lasted. Definitely would have wouldn't have come back for yeah. that. That was hilariously frightening. I know. <laughs> it's really, <laughs>
0: really
3: <funny>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Doink>. <laughs> It does sound very cartoonish. But it's also, if you think about, like, if it is an actual creature right close to you, that you're just, I mean, I would have shat
1: myself. But it sounded like it was so close. Like, how was he not seeing this creature? So they wouldn't. So here's the thing is that they would just freaking disappear.
0: So they tried so many times they would, like, set up traps. And so that when they heard them, they would, like, bust out of the shelter. They would be gone. Like they would hear them there, they would bust out. They would be gone. So I will kind of get into this in my segment about the theory behind this.
1: Okay. Have you read the Ristarby <laughs> kids books yet?
0: I started reading the first one. I haven't. It it's the
1: it kind of explains or has an explanation. Yeah, for that too. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's. I mean, this is honestly, this is probably not going to be my last episode on Bigfoot because <laughs> it's pretty fascinating. Oh, so anyway, people listening, uh, the book again is called Voices in the Wilderness by Ron Moorhead. And here's the cool thing is that he has so many of these recordings. And if you buy, um, you can buy the physical book and it comes with a CD. Although, you know, if you're like me, you don't have any way of playing CDs anymore. (laughs) Um, (laughs) if you buy the digital version, it comes with a download. Do not buy it from Amazon because that's what I did and it did not come with a download, but I'm going to put a link to a website that you guys can uh, purchase it from. And I'm assuming they will probably be able to help you with the download, but it's really cool because throughout the book, he'll um, he'll talk about instances and then he'll reference what track number um, when he's talking about their vocalizations. Neat. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. It's fun. Okay. So my section Today is Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> and luckily, I'm not going to be doing any of the talking because I have our first expert interview. What? Yes. Surprise, surprise, surprise. I told you I had some goodies.
1: How did that happen? Who is your expert?
0: Okay, his name is Jim Myers, and he owns the Sasquatch Outpost Museum in Bailey, Colorado, which is about an hour southwest of Denver. And I had reached out to him this summer when I was going to Colorado, but unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it up to see him. But also, he was unavailable because they do a Bigfoot Adventure weekend, and that was the weekend that I I went. mm -hmm. Um, And he talks about it some there. So, um, yeah, I interviewed him and he had some, some pretty cool stories and disclaimer, I recorded this on the anchor app on my phone Mm -hmm. and for the most part, it, it was pretty good. Like everything that was recorded was good, but it glitched every now and then. And so you'll hear like electronic Like, and it it slows them down and then speeds them up real quick. Oh, weird. I know. It's really annoying. So we might have to figure out a different way of recording next time. Here is Jim Myers, everybody.
3: Hey, can you hear me?
0: I can. How are you? I'm well. Well, I'm so glad that you got back in touch with me. And I'm sorry that I missed you when I went to Colorado this summer. I did want to ask you... When I was going there, you were on. You were doing a Bigfoot adventure weekend, right? So, what is that about? What do you guys do on
3: that? That was our third, our third summer to do that. We're going to do it again next summer. So, basically, we have about thirty-five spots that we sell for this particular weekend. It's two different events. People can do both if they want. One event is on a, on Thursday night. We'll take a smaller group of people, say 10 people out camping in an area that we know there's activity away from Bailey, usually an hour away or so. Mm -hmm. And they can sign up just for that if they want. And then Friday, that's Thursday night, then Friday through Sunday, we do a camp here in Bailey where people bring their own tents and we the the place where we do the the event has a meeting room where we do meals and training and so we'll give them orientation on Friday we'll take them out Friday night on a first night hike then Saturday we do some training we do we go on a day hike and then we go back out again at night Saturday night and for the past three years Every year, we've had something happen. We've had an account. Really? Two years ago, we had a group of three guys have a sighting with a night vision device and got a picture of an orb or something. I mean, they were taking pictures in the pitch black, but when when they looked at the pictures later, there was a blue orb in the middle of the picture, and it looked like it was, it was bizarre. It looked like it was opening or something. We didn't even know uh-huh. what that was. We've had uh, two years ago as well, we had, I was with a group. We usually split up in groups of about five with a guide. My group, um, we were being shadowed on both sides of the trail by something walking with us, making you know, cracking branches and things on both sides of the trail. And um, it's an area where we've had a lot of gifting sites in the past, so we know they're there. So they they shadowed us quite a ways up the trail. And then last summer, one of the groups had a thermal imager. It didn't record, unfortunately, but they saw two, what they thought was two Sasquatch uh, in the pitch black and there were five in the group, and they all got a chance to look through the viewfinder and see them. And then they found tracks a little bit later, and they they measured. They couldn't cast them because they were too shallow. The ground is so hard in Colorado yeah. that it's hard to get foot um, casts. But they could measure them, and they, they counted quite a number of strides. That was the only group last summer that had anything happen. But, I mean, even having one group out of five or six... Every summer is not a bad Yeah, absolutely.
0: So uh, how late are, are you guys going hiking?
3: We stay out till 12 or 1 in the morning. Oh, wow. Depends on what's happening. If if we're out there and there's really just nothing going on, we probably would come back in at 11. or. But if there's activity and there's a reason to stay out, we'll stay out later yeah. on Saturday, particularly.
0: So you mentioned uh, gifting sites. Yeah. Is that what you said? What is yes. that? They, they leave gifts for you guys? Uh,
3: we pick a site that's off the trail that no one can see from the trail, nor would they have any reason to go there. Yeah. So, and we'll put objects. A couple days ago is a perfect example. We, we found an area where we hiked up a ravine off the trail, maybe 200 yards off the trail, and found a, a rock that was sticking out on the edge of a hill. So that it created a kind of a shelter underneath it because Mm -hmm. of the angle of the hill. And then we could put things on top. And we take different things just to see what they have an interest in. We've taken over the past, oh, five years, six years, we've taken lots of things, plastic, animals, rocks of different shapes, sizes, and colors, deer tines, the ends of deer antlers, um, they've they've taken, taken from what, what we've left, left there, they've, they've taken, taken over a hundred items at various sites. And they've huh. occasionally left us something in return, such as a feather stuck into something that we've left there. Or they've brought gifts back two years after the fact. Um, the really? Gift shows, showed up again. So, Oh, no. Um, That's cool. Yeah. So we don't usually leave food. Occasionally, we'll leave. Two days ago, we left an apple. It's just to see what they're interested in, if they choose to leave anything for us, how they manipulate the items, if they do manipulate them.
2: Mm-hmm. But every
3: single place that we've had a gifting site, we've had something interact with us. We've not had any sites where that have remained untouched. So That is some really... Exciting. Some of them are very active. So yeah. every we could go every other day and they would have been there and done something to what we left there. Either take it or turn it or turn everything upside down or they somehow manipulate it so that we know that they've been there. Right,
0: uh, So funny.
3: But um, it's, not, it seems- it's clearly not raccoons or, or rodents or anything like that. It's just, this is intelligence based on what they're doing at the site. So...
0: Yeah, it seems that once they get comfortable around certain people that they like to interact from, you know, very far away, obviously, because you don't see them very much. But but they like to
3: kind of play little games, right? They do. And they we've had them in the past more than recently had them throw green pine cones at us. I've had them throw rocks, larger rocks, hard Near, near me hit, hit a tree near, near me, me but never hit me mm-hmm. um, um, but yeah I've, yeah I've had researcher friends who've had them when they went out to on a camp camp out and they set up a camp chair and then went away to get firewood and they were the only ones at the site at the time came back and there was a basketball sized rock in the in the chair and so they oh. came <laughs> during the day while they were out getting wood and just They didn't throw it at the chair. They said, Oh my God. Yeah.
0: It's so interesting.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's very intelligent. We've had them messing with the tent while we're in the tent multiple times. Yeah. They are playful. I don't know if that's juveniles that are doing it, but I think they find us as interesting as we find them. Yeah. But they
0: have a better uh, vantage point because it seems like they can watch people without being known that they're being watched yes oh it's fascinating so um let's go back a little bit i want to how did you get into bigfoot
3: well that's a good question i i've been interested in bigfoot since i was a child since the legend of boggy creek came out i was 10 years old at the time and uh that movie for a lot of people started their interest in sasquatch Mm -hmm. because of its it was a Groundbreaking docudrama is what I would have called the Boggy Creek movie. But the what was interesting about it was that virtually everyone in the movie, all the actors were people who lived the experiences. So they didn't hire professional actors. They used the people in the town. Oh, okay. for, but it's more genuine that way. And I lived many years overseas. I spent 28 years overseas. So I, there wasn't a lot I could do while I was living internationally, but when I moved back to the States in oh nine, pretty quickly, I would say probably in two thousand twelve, when we moved to Bailey, several things happened. We were we were trying to open a grocery store and two things happened. It took us a long time to get the store open. It's it's a very old building. It was in terrible shape. And it took us about nine months of work. And during those nine months I met my first eyewitness who had seen a Bigfoot about three miles from where our store and museum are located now. And Mm -hmm. I met with her and had coffee and heard her story. And I talked with her. And then uh, Finding Bigfoot came to Bailey to do an episode based on her sighting and a few other people. And so I went to that meeting as well. And that's when I decided decided that we should try to bring Bigfoot into into what what we were doing doing. with the store. So initially our store was called the Bailey country store and Sasquatch outpost. But after about two years, we realized that the groceries were not going to cut it and we had to make a decision. So we cut our ties with anything related to grocery store and went fully with the Bigfoot theme and about that time, I started doing research on my own, and one thing led to another, and we built the museum a few years later, and it's just grown and grown since then. That's great.
0: What kind of evidence or things do you have in the museum?
3: We have a, a large gift shop and a smallish museum. Uh, other places in the country, they have a large museum and a small gift shop. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we have we have a lot of fun in the gift store, um, I know that most people, many people that come in are not taking this topic seriously. So in the gift store, we don't. And so we we have lots of T-shirts that say Bigfoot doesn't believe in you either. Or, yeah. um, you know, we, we know that people want to come in and buy something funny, a mug, a shirt, uh, a mouse right. pad, something like that. But there's a very clear line when you go into the museum. I want people to know this is no longer... Playing and tongue in cheek, we're very serious about this. So, we Bye. have quite a bit of evidence. We've got, I think, about 15 plaster casts of different sizes, different ages from different parts of the country, several from Colorado, quite a few from around the country that are on loan to us. We've got quite a bit of photography of what we believe they do with trees. Ways they manipulate trees that we found Mm -hmm. over the years. We've got horse manes that we believe Sasquatch has braided, so that have been cut off the horse. Heard of that? Yeah. So one of them was a horse that I used to own, another is a horse that we use in our horseback expeditions. So two of the horses I know personally out of the three braided manes that we have in the museum, and they're braided. They're not people will accuse me of you know they'll say well this is just horses grooming or rolling in the dirt trust me these are braids this did not happen naturally and i don't know when they did it i don't know how they did it how they got the horse to stand still but it's all over the country this phenomenon so we've got several actual mains there for people to or braids for people to look at we have a video couple videos we have we have quite a bit in there
0: oh like videos caught on videos
3: well, we have one video is me answering all the questions that everyone always asks when they come Right. <laughs> so um, that, I figured people can watch that. And if they still have questions, we'll talk. But we've also done a video of some of the best footage that I believe exists on the internet. So we've got, obviously, the Patterson-Gimlin footage. We've got some from Paul Freeman. We've got some from a couple of... Bow hunters in Idaho. So we we just show those different sightings and talk about those. We've got footage of 15 to 17 individuals watching us in the woods, all their eyes glowing in the dark. What? So it's a That's phenomenon a that I yeah I can't explain how they do it, and it's bright. It looks like flashlights in the woods when they get closer. So it's amazing that they do this, and it's funny because a lot of people I'll show this to people when I'm in the woods and they're not overly impressed as though they see animals' eyes glowing by themselves all the time. People see yeah. eyes shine, reflected eye shine. Right. And they assume that the eye is glowing, well, take your flashlight away and you can't see anything. Right. These these eyes you can see with your naked eye in the dark, you can see their eyes glowing. And sometimes it's so bright it lights up the area around their face. Like if they're in the bushes, you can see you know, light around their face as well. So that's crazy. It's amazing. It's, I don't know if I should call it paranormal or just uh, an amazing adaptation they've devised, but there's no other mammal that I'm aware of, yeah. naturally that has a right. glow.
0: I mean, I don't even know that there's
3: non mammals that have no glowing fish eyes.
0: And Maybe fish in the that
2: fish. Glow, yeah. And they've yeah.
3: they've successfully taken. Jellyfish DNA and implanted it into cats, and the cat's eyes will glow at night. Um, Oh, my gosh. Even their bodies will glow. But that's a genetic manipulation. Right. Right.
0: Okay. So back to the the Patterson-Gimlin film. Do you believe that it's real?
3: 100%.
0: So what do you think about Bob Hieronymus saying that he was the one that dressed up as well was um, 5 foot
3: 10 for one and patty was 7 foot 3 to 7 foot 6 so he had to pull off some amazing arm and leg extensions plus there's there's a lot of things about that that would tell me he's lying now why he's doing it I don't know their arm to leg ratio was different than any other well different than us our, our mm-hmm. arms are our our legs are 20% longer than our arms across the board sasquatch legs are five percent longer than their arms so they're almost Um, identical in length and she her height the her proportions the way she walked the the way you can see the muscles moving under her skin plus the the most obvious to me is that nobody had technology to build a suit in 67 that could do what that suit did if that was a suit
2: i mean Mm -hmm. even
3: even the planet of the apes artists and suit manufacturer he couldn't do it and he admitted it later he said i yeah. could never have created a suit to do what this image does and so
2: uh, right because
0: it looked so natural walking like if oh, he was on stilts or anything yeah. like that it would especially on the rocky terrain it would have been a, a lot more clumsy looking i would think sure.
3: and her, her footprints f- in the skin. sand changed as she shifted her weight and things like that plus they estimate her weight to be around 900 pounds based on the depth of her tracks compared to a human walking in the same creek bed and so oh, wow. again how would you how would you falsely create the image of weight right. I don't know how you could possibly do it i mean this is probably the most examined piece of film possibly yeah. in history and i've got plastic surgeon friends Of course, who've watched it and who say this is 100% real. I can see where the fat deposits are laid down. It's a middle aged female. She's had a number of young just because they know bodies. They know how female bodies work. Dr. Meldrum is convinced it's genuine based on his understanding of anatomy and what he sees in that. So, why Bob claiming it? Only Bob knows, but he couldn't have done it. It's impossible.
0: Okay. So, that brings me to what is your theory about Bigfoot?
3: <laughs> well, so there's at least four, I'd say four camps within the Bigfoot, bigger Bigfoot community.
2: Yeah. One
3: camp are the apers who would say they're purely flesh and blood ape, nothing more, nothing less. Uh, therefore, you would expect everything about them to be apish, their behavior, their Vocalizations, everything.
2: Right.
3: Second group would be they are a hominid of some kind and share our DNA. That would be more the woo group. That there's a paranormal aspect to Sasquatch. That, that they, they are more are human, human than, than not. That they, they have language, they, they have culture, culture, they have all many of the things that we have. Third group would be that they're aliens put here or continually being put here. And the fourth group would be people who believe that they are a fulfillment of a biblical teaching of somehow combining angels and men and being the descendants of the Nephilim, which are mentioned in the Bible. So, And you find people tend to be in one of those camps and, and stick to it. I would put myself in the second camp. In my mind, Dominate. there's no question that they are partially human. I've heard them speaking way too many times to to believe that they're simply an ape. Apes don't have a, a language. They have vocalizations that have meaning right. to them, but it's not a language. And right. so I've heard Sasquatch speaking and its words. They're speaking words to each other, which has been proven to be the case <clears throat> many times over the last 50 to 60 years ron moorhead's recordings being the best example, but right. you know that that was it that was and is a language and um, has all the hallmarks of a genuine language. I would say they some somewhere in history there was a manipulation of DNA where human was mixed with something else to create what we now know as sasquatch and the unknown part is just that it's unknown we don't know what our DNA was combined with, but there's, there's enough
2: about them, them
3: that is human-like that makes total sense to me that they have DNA that's shared with us. So do the apes, but this is different. Right. And I think probably more and more DNA evidence is going to be coming forward in, in the future where the scientific community won't be able to just explain it away as contamination. They don't want it to be Sasquatch because it brings up too many other questions in their minds. So it's easier to say humans contaminated this sample. We don't know what the sample is. They at least admit that, but then they would say humans contaminated it in the process of getting the samples, which I don't think is the case. So So um, do you
0: think what kind of samples are they analyzing as a hair,
3: feces, or? So in the Ketchum study, I don't know if you're familiar with the study that was done in about two thousand and thirteen, and there were hundred and ten samples submitted by researchers of what was believed to be Sasquatch hair, some of it with follicles, so hair, saliva, blood, and some tissue. They were all analyzed by independent laboratories that was blind. They didn't know what they were analyzing. They were just told to do a full DNA spectrum. Mm-hmm. And before they knew that they were supposedly studying Sasquatch, samples. They actually thought that the study had
2: discovered
3: a new species. That was was their opinion. opinion. It was three of the samples, and there's a great book that was written by Scott Carpenter called A Truth Denied. It's about this DNA study that the scientific community completely rejected, but you can't argue with the DNA evidence. You can argue with the study about how they did some aspects of the study, but you can't argue with the actual DNA results, which say this is some kind of human hybrid. But yeah. three of the samples were known to be Sasquatch for sure, because they were seen giving the sample. One one example was on a Indian reservation. There was a metal building where they kept their garbage. I guess there were a bunch of feminine napkins or tampons or whatever in in the garbage, and there was a hole, a rusty hole in the side of the building, and the Sasquatch was observed, reaching in to grab those bags or feel around the bags, and either on the way in or on the way out, cut himself on the edge of that hole and left blood and hair. Um, Another of the three was a habituation site in Kentucky where a family had been feeding Sasquatch for decades so they knew that they could put the food in a certain place and the Sasquatch would come eat it. So what they did, took a brand-new plate, sterilized it, took a brand-new wine glass, sterilized it, broke the glass, crushed it, took three pieces where the glass was a little bit curved at the bottom, tiny pieces, and glued them with a drop of super glue on that plate in three places. Then they made a peanut butter sandwich and mashed it on the plate, poured Sarples syrup over it. it. So there was no animal substances in that. It was all vegetable. And so
2: right. the next day yeah. when they
3: picked up the plate, and they knew for a fact that the Sasquatch would come and take the plate, there was a big smear of blood where when the Sasquatch was licking the plate, it cut its tongue on the glass and, and left a smear of blood. So they had actual blood to analyze all three of those samples agreed with each other, one hundred percent. Oh, crazy! Wow. And many of the other samples agreed with those three as well. Not all of them, and that's where they said the mitochondrial DNA, which is the female side, was yeah. human. The nuclear DNA yeah. was unknown. So
0: that's crazy.
3: Yeah, it is crazy.
0: So okay, I'm. Um, it's last last question. We're going to go back to the the different theories and the. I guess what would fall under your uh, alien category would be the idea of kind of interdimensional travelers, right? Like quantum physics, like wormholes, they're coming in and out of another dimension, right? So the, Mm -hmm. the theories that where they're, they'll have footprints and they just disappear. They, they'll be able to track them and then they'll just stop. Or the fact that they can see us without being seen and they're so huge. So it's like, how can they watch us without them being seen? Or they just can uh, disappear so quickly. So like, if you're you hear them and you run outside real quick and then they're just gone. Right.
3: So what do you,
0: what do you think about that?
3: Well, so here, all I can say is what we've experienced. And people who have been doing research for many, many years and who remain convinced that they're a flesh and blood ape, my question is, what kind of research are you doing? Because what we are finding, I have three personal friends um, firsthand who have have seen them disappear disappear in front front of their eyes. eyes. Literally, they're they're there and then they're gone. In one case, he was looking through a pair of binoculars, watching the Sasquatch. When it disappeared, oh my gosh. and I've seen things in the woods that I believe was something that was cloaked when it was in the woods. I could see color and movement, but there was nothing yeah. there but see through um, it you could see through it, and the fact that we've had objects thrown at us from a close enough distance that from from behind us that we should have been able to turn around and see it, for instance, throwing green pine cones from somewhere behind us over our head and hitting the same tree four times in a row through all the other trees, missing all the other trees, hitting the same tree four times in a row. They could not have been more than 50 to 100 feet from us, and yet there was nothing that you could see. I've seen a Sasquatch in the daytime, looked away for two seconds, looked back, and it was gone. I mean, it was there and it was not there. So, so
0: does this terrify you? No.
3: It explains but, a lot. but
0: like when you see one, do, when you see one, do you not, I mean, I'm assuming you get just like a surge of adrenaline, right? But are well, you not my, scared? Um, Yeah.
3: I mean, I think every researcher would admit they're scared. I've known several yeah. that have stopped researching because they were so scared. When you go online and look up stories on YouTube and they've all got this title, you know, terrifying Bigfoot encounter or whatever, and then you... If you can bear to watch through it, because they're usually so boring, it's not worth watching.
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: you've if you get through it and you find out there was nothing. It's just they saw Bigfoot and they Bigfoot left, and that was it. Yeah, but for them, yeah. it was a terrifying experience. Right. Well, the Sasquatch didn't intend for it to be terrifying. Trust me, if they wanted it to be terrifying, they it could. would have been terrifying. So. It's all in your perspective on what happened when you encountered one. And most, I'd say 95% of encounters are extremely brief seconds, maybe, that a person gets to see the Sasquatch before it's gone. Right. Either because the person ran away or the Sasquatch just disappears. And so there's no other way I can explain that as footprints, as with them just showing up kind of out of nowhere. Literally. So
0: that brings me back to your first group of guys that got the picture with the blue orb that looks like it's, you said it looks like it's opening and it's weird. What if that was like a portal?
3: <laughs> well, they think it was. I have no explanation for what you see in this picture. I mean, there is.
0: Do you have a copy of the picture?
3: I don't. I i can probably get one. But it was bizarre because this was taken in the pitch black. There wasn't even a, a moon out that night. And. This blue orchid, so um, um, with an almost geometrical shape in the middle, and this is out in the middle of the woods. There's nothing out there, and so what it was right. is anyone's guess. But it was something that only showed up on film, which is many times the case. Uh, the same's true of ghost hunters; they'll see things that on the camera that their eyes don't see. Right, and I don't know how our cameras are able to see that, and we can't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they move in and out of dimensions. And I believe it because of the experiences we've had, not just because the people say they're interdimensional. I don't right. have any other explanation for some of this right. stuff that's happened.
0: Unless they're Harry Potter with an invisibility. <laughs> Unless phone.
3: they're Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> and when they go invisible, the question is Are, are they, they not standing, making noise? <laughs> well, are they standing right there invisible yes. or did they go somewhere else into another dimension? Yeah, um, that explains to me why we don't find their bodies because they choose to die in elsewhere. the other other place. Yeah, right. That's what my thinking is too.
0: All right. Well, I really appreciate you talking to me. You're welcome.
3: You're welcome, Meg. And I'll look forward and to. And next it time I'm you... out in
0: Colorado, I will. Yeah. welcome come see you.
3: Yeah, please do. All
0: right. Thanks so much, Jim. Okay. You're welcome. Bye bye. Bye.
1: That was awesome. <laughs>
2: It was good, right? So
1: good. I was really...
2: such a good
0: surprise. I know. I was after I did it. I mean, I've been planning this for a while, so I've been keeping my mouth shut. But after I had the the interview, I was so excited. So I was like, that went really well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just to, I just want to give like shout out again. So they're uh, Jim Myers in Sasquatch Outpost in Bailey, Colorado. Their website is Sasquatch sasquatchoutpost.com he also had a podcast for a while called you don't know squatch <laughs> <laughs> but he said his um his co-host uh, pulled out so i mean if you guys if anyone out there is interested in co-hosting a a podcast about sasquatch then reach out to jim it looks like he's he's wanting to get back on it
1: that was really interesting and a lot of good a lot of good information. Yeah. So
0: um, I did want to say, do you know what the Patterson Gimlin film is? So
1: that's the one that, that the classic one, right? Yes. The, it's in the, the, clearing. Like the one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with the Yeah. Okay.
0: Yes. It's the one from 1967. Yeah. And she was seen in a clearing. So the, the issue behind it is that um, there's like, there's a lot of people who believe that it's not real. And there's this man named Bob Hieronymus who uh, claims that he was the one who dressed up in the um, outfit. And he's like on, he has done interviews on films talking about the whole thing. And, and then they talk about how um, Patterson, I think it is. I think, yeah, Patterson is um, he's, he's deceased now, but how he was a perpetually unemployed person who kind of did little con con artist
1: Wait, who's Patterson? One of the,
0: the so the it's called Patterson-Gimlin because it was two guys. Okay. Pat, their last names were Patterson okay. and Gimlin. And um, I think it was like, I don't remember their first names, whatever. There was that, and he claims that he was going to pay pay him $1,000 to do the film, and then he never gotcha. got paid. But anyway, so there's like a whole conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess, against it. But I didn't know. So I had looked up a couple of things that were about, you know, interviews with different people claiming that it wasn't real. And, but I didn't know about that weight thing. Yeah. That Jim was talking about how they estimated her weight to be 900 pounds based on the footprints, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Cause that is true. You can't fake weight. I mean, no one's going to be walking around with 900 pounds on them in a suit. Right. And make it look that effortless. I will put a link to the video in the um, in the show notes so you guys can see it if you don't already know
1: what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the biblical angel theory. <laughs> Sasquatch as angel. I know. <laughs> I was like, that's an ugly angel. <laughs> um, have they ever put trail cams at the gifting sites? I don't know that he has.
0: Um, I do know that in the book, in the Ron Moorhead book, that they had set up cams everywhere, and he he has found it so frustrating because it. He's like they won't do anything if you have cameras anywhere. It's like they know they know that you you've put them up, and they won't show up if they're up. Okay. And they even had some guy like hiding out in a hollowed-out log one night, like with a camera, <laughs> <laughs> with it, trying
1: to get a not somewhere of it. I want to be when a Sasquatch goes yeah. around, stuck in a log. I know. Um, <laughs> it's like pig in a blanket for. Sasquatch. So that was yeah. That
0: was the the most frustrating thing for for Ron in the in the book was that he they could not catch it on camera. It's like he's like they know. It's like. They just knew whenever they were trying to catch them on camera, and they just wouldn't show up. Mm-hmm. So I, I, don't know if that, you know, if anyone else has, right? If anyone out there knows of uh, some big feats getting caught on big Bigfoots, Bigfoots, bigfoots <laughs> getting caught on trail cams. Yeah, Bigfoots, Bigfoots. Also, just I'm like with Bigfoots. Also, trail cams catching anything weird. I would love to see
1: big footies,
0: big footies, (laughs) big feetsies.
1: Then I was also reminded of Predator when we're talking about cloaking and disappearing, and Predator, and then the newer movie Prey, where it is all set in the woods, is Predator based off of Bigfoot. I don't know. I've never seen mm. Predator. Oh, okay. Or Prey. I've not seen Prey yet, but I do want to see it. It's a precursor to Predator. Um, and I will say that
0: also in the book, um, he brings up how the the vocalizations that they had caught on tape have been analyzed by multiple like ling- linguistic linguistic experts. Linguistic linguini. <laughs> <It's> linguini. <laughs> <laughs> the pasta speaks to me. <laughs> Linguistic experts and that they affirm that it is an actual language, that it's not just random vocalizations oh. and that they are real recordings.
1: Wow. And then I was thinking a really cute, the next Bigfoot movie, the cartoon.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It a, should be
1: yeah. <laughs> Bigfoot Horse Whisperer.
0: Yes. <laughs> It's I feel like they seem to have like a calming presence to horses. Oh,
1: are they must if they can sit there and braid, braid their, their tails. Yeah. I, I also wonder how big are their fingers that they can braid these tight braids. I, I mean, know. yeah. So well, there was that's also... why they do
0: horse tails cuz horse tails are really long.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe. They've also someone claimed they were doing it to flags, like shredding yeah. flags and braiding. Do remember on. that? I don't
0: I think... know what I saw on. Oh, um, A different you, podcast. Probably. If you have not watched the new season of Unsolved Mysteries, there is an episode on there about um, these two men that are like basically um, Scully and Mulder for the Indian reservation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like they specifically were create, they, the native police um, wanted to start a division for all of the people who were having paranormal occurrences because they were so terrified, but like previously they weren't taken seriously or nobody was helping them or doing anything. So the police then created a division of these two men Mm -hmm. and said, this is now your job. So for however many years that was their job was to investigate all the paranormal stuff that was happening on the Indian reservation, which so cool. I mean, I would imagine was a lot of things. Yeah. There was this one woman who had a sasquatch come up onto her front porch and she was in a a trailer and she's like i heard these giant stomping footsteps up the door and then some something starts shaking like turning the door like trying to open the door and she's got her kids in there and then she said she went and opened the door i was like what (laughs) 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 oh my god why would you open the door when someone's like trying to break into your house that's so (laughs) weird so but she said she opened the door and she was just face to face with the Bigfoot. And I was like, "Oh my oh god." My and then what? God, and she said it looked at her and then just ran. And she said it ran so fast like she couldn't keep up with it. And so she put up a camera outside and she they showed a footage of they have like some dark little creature that kind of comes up looks like it kind of comes up out of the ground and then just kind of like goes into the air and disappears.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, but that yeah. episode was really cool. Very cool. Um. Also, I think we should go to his adventure weekend next year. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be fun. I want to make you a believer. Let's oh, I go. believe. I'm... You believe in Bigfoot? Yeah. Oh, sweet. I, I would think that you
1: wouldn't. Yeah, I mean... No, I think there's the there are there are <laughs> so bad, so there are plenty of creatures out there that we don't know of. I know. Usually they're small, but doesn't mean they. I can't I be giant. <laughs> I mean, okay. I, I'm you know, I'm open to being proven.
0: I know. That's why I I think we need to start doing ghost hunts and like all kinds of stuff together so that I want, I mean, I want to have an experience because I've never really had an experience, Mm -hmm. but I really want you to have an experience too. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: (laughs) Okay. So
1: we can move on. What are you talking about today? So I went through a mind walk trying to figure out what to do. Because when you look up, you know, Bigfoot science and stuff, you end up with it. <laughs> you know, I did run across some of the hair testing yeah. information and stuff like that. Uh So then I was like, well, what about animals with big feet? <laughs> for a minute, I thought about doing a gerboa just because it's adorable. Little kangaroo. Rat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have giant feet. Yeah. But it wasn't all that interesting. And then I looked up funny feet (laughs) (laughs) this is how my mind works and i ended up with a creature that i was like you know what not only does it have weird feet it is a creature that i have to remind myself really exists because it seems like it should be a mythological creature okay the platypus. platypus. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> it's such a weird creature.
0: And it, it wasn't discovered until fairly recently, right? And when they did discover it, didn't they think it was an alien? Oh, I don't know. I didn't run across that. I could have sworn that um whoever discovered it, they thought it was um oh no, I think they had thought that
1: someone had you know how some people put, put pieces pieces together? Yeah, yeah so they There, yeah, people have thought that it was some sort of mammal that someone had put a duck beak on, yeah, as a a joke joke or or, like a trying to hoax. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So a platypus. In case anyone doesn't know what a platypus is, it's a swimming mammal with fur, but then it's got a big, huge beak, flat beak, kind of like a duck, and a paddle tail similar to a beaver. Uh, So it's already just an odd looking creature, but it is a mammal. It's warm blooded. It creates milk. It's covered in fur like mammals should be, but it also lays eggs. Oh, similar to a reptile or a A duck. duck because it has a bill. It's like a it looks like a dinosaur. Kind of. It does look like a dinosaur. Yeah. Okay. So mammal properties and then reptilian slash bird, which are related in down the line anyway, mm-hmm. with the eggs and the beak. And then they have webbed feet. They have their beak has an electrosensory in it so that they can find food in water. Similar to some fish like that ghost knife fish. Yes, exactly.
0: Um, Refer back to episode one, right?
1: Yes ghost fish ghost (laughs) knife fish ghost whatever yeah they feed at night on invertebrates down at the bottom so oh let me start they live in australia because every weird freaky animal in the world lives in australia if you want to really freak yourself out look at go google like weirdest australian animals or something and it is going you're gonna have nightmares (laughs) They have the weirdest things, and everything's oversized Mm. and terrifying. Mammals that lay eggs. There's only two mammals that lay eggs, the other one being uh, echidna. I've heard that. The A-C-H-I. E-C-H-I-D-N-A. It looks kind of like a short-needled porcupine with a long snout, kind of like a porcupine Mm. and an ant eater-ish, kind of, but they're... They're also very cute. Mm-hmm. Big old paws and stuff. Anyway, they also lay eggs. Uh, mammals that lay eggs are called monotremes. Just in case you wanted to know that. So Okay, so anyway.
0: So, so mammals that lay eggs. The only They're 2 They're only
1: two. <laughs> they have their own name. <laughs> They're, <laughs> own. They're considered monotremes. Yeah. So they hunt at night uh, and feed on invertebrates down at the bottom of waterways. Freshwater waterways. Uh, But sometimes they'll come to the surface and eat a frog or a bug or something. Hmm. Uh, But their feet, their other, another weird part, their feet look like, so they have claws, but the claws are on top of the webbing. So it looks like if maybe a bird had stepped in a puddle of tar (laughs) and and it's solidified as like a shoe (laughs) um and then you put freddy krueger nails on it yeah (laughs) so because they dig burrows so they have the nails to dig burrows but then they've got the webbing for swimming so does the
0: when they're digging because it looks like the nails don't go all the way to the end of the flapper they don't
1: so do, does the webbing move, like bend, bend so that back. they can... yeah, it oh, okay. is very flexible so huh. you, if you picture um, a duck foot the webbing comes out from the leg and then your their talons or nails whatever you want to call them are at the end yeah that's part of the, what makes this so weird is that the nails are at the beginning of the toes but then the webbing continues out yeah. beyond huh. but it is kind of flexible so that they can swim and so weird. dig in the mud. So, the yeah, the webbing helps them swim, but they also use it as rudders. Their feet are used as rudders for swimming and turning, but then also brakes, because <laughs> they're big enough to like, <laughs> put on the brakes. And then that flat paddle of their tail is used as um, stabilization okay, as they're swimming. And then to add to the weirdness, their hind legs have a barb on them or spur on the backside of the legs so that's actually venomous oh so what? not only is it so so then it's venomous which is very much more reptilian there are yes. more other venomous mammals they're not too common but they do they do exist but it's still weird to think of mammals as venomous what other mammals the oh uh, what, um, what is that adorable monkey? On Madagascar with the giant oh, eyes. yes. Oh, the, the ring-tailed No, lemur. not the lemur. Oh. Oh, shoot. I'm going to have to look it up. It's on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, he's poisonous. And then I think there's like a, a mole that's poisonous or venomous. But how do, how do they excrete their venom? Theirs is in their mouths, I believe. But the platypus But the platypus is in its foot. In the spur in his foot. In the spur in his foot. Like and a scorpion kinda. kind of. Kind of that um and it's mostly used during mating season so they can fight off other males Ugh. and it but it can kill small animals and and it can kill other platypus okay the pl- no the plural I had to look it up Platypus sounds normal to me but it's actually platypuses <laughs> platypuses <laughs> which to me is more hilarious and then for, on a human it's just it's gonna hurt whole lot and make you kind of sick, but it's not going to kill you. And then their eyes and ears are both housed in small slits above the beak because when they swim, the eyes close, the ears close, the mouth, the nose closes. So they can't smell, see, or hear when they're swimming, but that's when they're hunting and they basically eat the entire time that they swim. So they're doing it blind pure and purely by the sensory in their in their beak. And
0: okay, by the electro. Mm -hmm. And that's the same kind of thing as kind of the same thing as echolocation, where the electronic signals are being sent out, and then they can detect movement, or what? Yeah, in this
1: particular one, they're detecting the small amounts of electricity that are being created when the animals move their muscles so what they'll do is go down to the bottom of the river or pond or whatever and run their belly along the bottom to kick up the animals Uh and then they can sense the movement of something swimming and then go
0: that's so crazy it's like
1: hunt blind yeah yeah
0: that's weird
1: they're very solitary they dig they live by themselves from like uh eight weeks or something
0: Jeez.
1: they dig burrows that are just big enough for the for them, but it's also a very tight burrow because they use it to kind of squeegee the water off themselves for when they get out of the water and into their homes. <laughs> the fur is waterproof, so it's got long fur on top and then the soft uh, under fur underneath, and it will stay dry even after hours of being in the water. I'm assuming it's kind of like otters? Yeah. It's gonna be yeah, very similar to an otter. hmm Adults don't have so when they adults don't have teeth, but if they basically in, inside that bill is basically really hard gums and they, they just <laughs> gum things <laughs> and they eat. Which is why they generally eat invertebrates, so yeah. larvae, and um, but yeah. also they'll do um, crustaceans and things and they just grind it all. <laughs> Oh, my gosh.
0: I just want someone to draw a cartoon of an old person platypus <laughs> eating. <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> Gross. Um, babies do have teeth until they leave the nest and until they leave the burrow. But they do have teeth because they're being you know brought food and have to learn how to eat. Okay. So they only search out another platypus when it's time to mate. And then, like I mentioned, they'll have to fight each other for for mating rights uh sometimes and then even after that the female will will fight him as well and might like take him on a chase or <laughs> like they've been observed play hard to get they play hard to get it's been observed where the female is swimming away and the males just got his his bill clamped onto her tail oh and my they're gosh. just <laughs> oh my taking him for a ride so it sounds like it was it's a very uh Difficult situation. I'm assuming that they don't stick around for the babies no, to be born. No, of course not. Yeah. Nope. They mate and go away. And then the female digs a different burrow, slightly bigger. So she lay and she lays two eggs. Well, no. First, it, they just stay inside for two to two to four weeks. And then she lays them. And then she incubates them for another week-ish by curling around them, tail to bill. And then they hatch using a egg tooth, very similar to what like turtles do, how they will poke themselves out. Oh, you know? Yeah. Uh, So another reptilian holdover. Okay, so it hatches and then it does drink milk. Like I said, they're mammals, so they do create milk. They don't have nipples though. So the milk just (laughs) seeps out of mammary glands. There's several animals Ooh. that do this. Um it seeps out of mammary glands and then just pools in um crevices of the skin and then the baby basically just sucks it out of the fur. That is so weird. Yeah. I There's other mammals that do that. I want to say I haven't heard of that. I want to say kangaroos do because they do it inside the pouch. Okay, I mean, I, I believe guess that would make sense. So when you say
0: like m- mammary glands, is it kind of just like sweat glands, like all over a certain area, or like, yeah. do they have? I guess they if they don't have nip, they don't have nipples, but do they have mammary like boobs?
1: No. Yeah, so the so glands weird. are just under the everywhere. skin, not necessarily everywhere. It's probably in one specific area. spot, but they're just under the skin, and instead of having to be expressed like we do yeah it just seeps out yeah <laughs> and it either gets drunk or it doesn't um oh
0: weird yeah i've realized that i say weird a lot
1: mm. not weird different
0: <laughs> how different that how is different. <laughs> i can't it's just everything
1: is uh... so weird though okay so obviously they're super weird creatures weird Weird, 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 weird. weird, weird. weird. So, certainly they've been studied. And recently they did a study of their genome, of their DNA genome sequence, to compare it to other creatures. Because basically, the platypus represents the earliest offshoot of mammals from reptiles. Okay, that makes sense.
0: I feel like it It kind of is like a reptile mated with an otter. Yeah.
1: It feels, or like a bird mated with right, an otter. It feels like, well, you know, because birds came from Correct. reptiles. Yeah. So at some point they branched off and right. went reptile versus bird. But, and then at some point, you know, another reptile branched off and then created mammals. So this is kind of like the first evidence of that branch branch off. And so they compared the DNA to, let me read this part. The platypus represents the earliest offshoot of the mammalian lineage some 166 million years ago from primitive ancestors that had features of both mammals and reptiles. What's unique about the platypus is that it has retained a large overlap between the two very different classifications while later mammals lost their features of reptiles yeah. like us comparison of the platypus genome with the dna of humans and other mammals which diverged later and the genome of birds whose ancestors branched off from an estimated 315 million years ago can help scientists fill the gap in the understanding of mammalian evolution so basically the platypus is the missing link (laughs) 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 that's my takeaway (laughs) it's not bigfoot it's it's a platypus, platypus. <laughs> so anyway so they compared it to a human a mouse a dog an opossum and a chicken and they found that a platypus shares 82 percent of its genes with one of these animals Um, the chicken was chosen mean, obviously animals i mean, I mean and, what do you yeah. mean one of them like all, you of, mean them. all so of them together. 82 percent of the platypus right is somehow related to one all of these of to all of those yeah um the chicken obviously was chosen because it lays eggs yeah. and is a descendant of reptiles. Basically, they're saying like, we found all these DNA pieces that look like reptiles, all these DNA pieces that look like mammals, all these DNA pieces that look like birds. An interesting one they found is that because I've mentioned their noses close up yeah. when, when they swim mm-hmm. and they're swimming most of the time, they the scientists expected there not to be a big olfactory Yeah. Uh, contingency in the in the DNA, it turns out they do have a very large, very similar to like dogs. Really? Yeah, which is interesting.
0: So, uh, in their burrows, where are they located? Are they're on
1: shore. They're on shore because yeah, they don't breathe underwater. So,
0: but you said they spend most of their day in the water.
1: They spend maybe not most of their day, but long periods of time. And then, when the they're not
0: in the water, what are they doing?
1: I mean it just basically sounds like they're hanging out in the burrow
0: by themselves, reading a book. Yeah. <laughs> and S is another I cartoon. <laughs> I like all these cartoons just keep up. The lonely
1: platypus. Yeah.
0: Oh, we need to write a kid's
2: book. Maybe that's
1: why the plural of platypus is so hard because they aren't seen in plurals. Yeah. Aw. Oh. Sad platypus.
0: I think pushes. that we need to, whatever merchandise we end up coming up with, and <laughs> we need to have one that has a baby platypus on it.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. And anyway, same. so they were saying that, so sequencing this DNA was apparently very difficult because for some reason there's a lot of duplicates. And so it was hard to find the right sequence of everything, but it's those duplicates that make some of the like reptilian aspects prominent or. What do you Very mean, specific. duplicates? Duplicates <laughs> as far as as far as some of the sequences. Yeah. Okay. So all the DNA is in is in like chunks of information, right? Right. And that so gives us different traits. Well, what... some of their chunks are duplicated. So like we might yeah. have something. We like I think for instance like we might have a. a Gene sequence that is semi reptilian in us, but it's not prominent, so it right. doesn't show itself. But I think because they're duplicated in this, do that's why you're getting all of these weird. That's why it seems like it's a bunch of different animals, and one because it's because it has multiple versions of the same sequence, yeah, or something. Oh. I don't know. That might be. I'm be making well, up so, well, theory, no, but
0: right, yeah. <laughs> so, good theory. sounds pretty good. I like it. <laughs> So no, it makes sense to me because if it's like, if you, if you have a duplication of a certain, um, characteristic, then it makes it more prominent. So right. if you have duplications of, you know, aviary or reptilian laying eggs and it's in there a couple of times, then it's going to be more likely that they will lay, lay eggs. But do we have duplications in know. our DNAs? I don't know. Hmm.
1: We'll have to... hmm. I don't know.
0: Any scientists out there know this, so we don't have to research it. I'm gonna call in and be Drew's expert
1: interview. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm now I'm feeling the pressure. We no, have to no, do don't. an interview. Although my issue is that I'm always following your lead. So like some of the things that I thought of that I could do interviews for might not ever Well,
0: let's switch it up. You you come up with some things and I'll I'll do the I'll do your
1: part. I mean I'll do
0: like yeah. whatever based on yours.
1: Okay. Field field trip time. Yes. Can I come? Yeah. No. No. I think that was pretty much all I had. Basically, the takeaway is that they're the missing link. Yeah, (laughs) sounds like it. Yeah. Which is really funny to think of a platypus. But like I said, I have to remind myself that they actually exist because they're so weird.
0: Yeah it was that when they first were discovered that they thought it was a cryptid like they didn't know what it was mm-hmm. and they thought it was an alien
1: not surprising
0: thing um and i feel like it wasn't did you find when they were discovered
1: no that's cuz i feel like <laughs> not it something wasn't something i would have like, thought of
0: super let's see long time ago i want to say like maybe 1800s you know mm-hmm. well i mean if you think about it how old is australia like how when, when did they first inhabit australia It was the 1700s wasn't it when they first hit prisoners over there.
1: Very true. They send the prisoners and, and then nature sent all of its freakish animals.
0: There is, there's this show. I don't know what it's called. It's like croc. It's not croc hunter. I don't know. It's about this guy who saves crocodiles. Like he'll, if it's on people's properties out in Australia, he'll go take them and um, either move them to another location or if they're injured or whatever, he has like rehabilitates them and stuff like that. Um, and there, there was an episode where like, he was out in the bush, like far away from home. And his wife is at home with their little, their little son, whose name is Banjo. And, Cute. um, and she calls him and she's like, there's a snake in the house. Can you come home? And he's like, no, I, I can't come home. You're going to have to deal with it on your own. And so like half of the episode is her looking around for the snake. And I'm like, okay, she's just, you know, she's looking for a snake. She finds it in the closet in her son's room. This is not a snake. It is like a 12 foot long like python. python. Yes. yes. And I was like, "Oh my god." And then it just starts pooping all over his toys. Oh, <laughs> oh god, that's <laughs> terrible. And the whole time she's like, ah, you know, and she's freaking out and, and then she tr- finally gets it to like she pulls it out and it like thuds to the floor and then it, she's trying to pull it out by the tail and it keeps grabbing on things and then she it grabs is she just itself
1: smearing on poop everywhere. <laughs> oh and that's gosh. and that's probably considered a small python yeah. for australia because i've seen pictures of one that had to have been 30 feet long hanging onto the side of a cliff about to eat a taper or something something enormous and then if you've not seen there's like a a giant bat with a horse head what oh yeah what? i mean we can go down a rabbit hole here, uh, but
0: yes with weird animals they're the best. Okay, so I just looked up uh the when were platypuses platypuses discovered. <laughs> after it says after Europeans first encountered platypuses in the 1797, several specimens arrived in Britain and Europe. But it's like, how did they
1: arrive there? The platypus or the people? The, what are we talking platypus?
2: About?
1: Oh, they are already there
0: in Europe? I thought you said they were oh in I thought Australia.
1: you said oh sorry I thought you said I thought your your Europeans were in Australia. No.
0: It says, after Europeans first encountered platypuses in 1797, several specimens arrived in Britain and Europe, prompting taxonomic description in anatomical studies. Yeah, so studies. they
1: found them somewhere else and sent them okay. to Australia. Sure, sure, okay, sure.
0: while you're le- look at this, look at this picture. Oh, that is the Jersey Devil. Yeah. That is what... <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Jeez, <laughs> but it's Jersey real. Article. It's a giant horse head bat. That is... In Australia. Oh my god. It's just not
0: right. That is not. That's holy crap. That one says African fruit bat. Is that a different thing? It's a different one.
1: Oh my god. This is as I said, yeah, you will have nightmares if you look up weird yes. animals in Australia. Oh <laughs> okay. So is that everything that we I have? I think that's all today? I got.
0: Okay, cool. Well, you would think by season two, we would have like a solidified sign off. But here we are. Now
1: it's later, pusses.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, I'm okay with that.
1: (laughs) Later, you pusses. Howdy, Platterpie. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. If you have anything cool, creepy, or scientific to share with us, you can email us at lastslamstandingpodcast at gmail.com. Please follow us on Instagram at lastslamstandingpodcast. And a special thank you to Adam Frischertz for our theme song. Thanks for listening.